What's up everyone? Welcome back to Off The Chain, the backbone for storytelling across builders, creators, and collectors within Web3. Each episode, we dive into how these technologists use the power of blockchain to build businesses and foster creativity. Today, we've got Tara Fung, co-founder and CEO of CoCreate. CoCreate is a new Web3 protocol that empowers NFT projects to go beyond the drop. They enable these projects to scale more effectively by empowering them to launch a thoughtfully designed fungible token program alongside their collections. Some of today's podcast covers why projects should consider launching tokens, how CoCreate thinks about their ideal customer profile, Web3-based loyalty programs, and where we stand with innovation within NFT collections. Enjoy the episode. Tara, great to meet you. Thank you so much for being on Off the Chain. How are you? You know, I'm hanging in there, still recharging and recovering from Art Basel last week. I think everyone is still doing that. Emails seem to be a little quieter this week than the week before Art Basel. I think everyone's <laughs> trying to rest and recuperate a little bit. Yeah, for sure. But I'm super excited about today's conversation. You know, I'm personally excited to talk about everything from tokens to NFTs creating sustainable revenue streams and royalties. And I know this is something that you explore a lot yourself. I know that you're building a really special company with CoCreate. And so would first just love to start off the podcast with, can you please just introduce yourself, give us a little bit about your background and the high level overview of CoCreate? Yeah, definitely. So Tara Fung, I'm the co-founder and CEO here at CoCreate. Um, and my background is really, I've basically made career decisions in my life uh, based on where there was opportunity and where I thought I could learn the most. So I come from a small town in rural North Carolina. I wanted to figure out how the world works. And so I studied economics because I thought it would teach me how to approach problems got my career in German automotive. So if you ever want to talk about 18 wheelers, actually, I know way more than you'd expect. Um, and then I transitioned to fintech because I wanted to be close to technology. And I knew that this economic background would allow me to provide value within a tech firm before I really understood how tech firms operate. Um, and that same curiosity is what eventually led me to crypto, because I think while crypto assets are super interesting, blockchains are actually a fundamentally superior technology for certain use cases. And I just wanted to be close to the new world that's being built right now and help design and structure it possibly. So that's a little bit about me. In the case of CoCreate, we came together at the start of this year, which seems like way more than a year ago, given everything that's happened since then. And the initial thesis was that there are these nascent Web3 brands. They often start out as NFT projects, and they've done an incredible job of creating tight, exclusive communities because NFTs are all about scarcity. And they have had some success and now it's about, okay, for some of them, they're looking to scale their impact and their reach. And we believe that fungible tokens are an incredible scaling mechanism and an incredible mechanism for businesses and communities to create strong incentives, to encourage certain behaviors, to punish certain behaviors. And so that's what we're focused on at CoCreate is really helping brands, whether those are NFT projects, Web3 DAOs, or even Web2 companies, launch tokenized versions of loyalty and reward programs as a way to engage a larger audience and give them more ownership and voice in what's being built. 
That's great. And we're going to dive more into tokens, but I think you make a really great point there about these NFT collections where, you know, the vast majority of these collections, they have a supply size of 10,000. And realistically, yeah. there's only 7,000 unique holders. And that yep. is ultimately limiting to their future growth. And from my understanding of co-create and building these tokens is there's now a way to get more users involved in these brands because a lot of the times it's just either too cost prohibitive or again, the supply size is just too small. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you have fixed supply of unique discrete assets that aren't meant to be divisible, you're really capping your reach. Now we're seeing NFTs be fractionalized, but that's kind of taking away their superpowers because a lot of times they're meant to be uh, creating access for someone into a club or community. And it's really access at the highest level. Like I often describe NFTs are the membership card for a super user into a special club. But it doesn't mean that that club doesn't want to reach a broader audience. It doesn't mean that they don't want to have tiers of membership. If you were a museum and you on, only allowed individuals to join as like founding members that are committing thousands of dollars to participate, you, it, you would struggle as a business, right? Like most museums, we have these founding members or annual donors, but you also allow people to come visit, to go to the gift shop, to buy a t-shirt. That's a really important part of a, of a sustainable brand and business. And I think what we've seen in the last few months with the question about our royalties going to continue to be enforced with the question about what does crypto look like in Web3 in the future and, and what is the sustainable business and revenue source for these enterprises is that there needs to be more diverse sources of revenue and there need to be ways for these nascent groups to reach a wider audience so that they aren't so reliant on three to 7,000 people for everything. A hundred percent. And, you know, prior to co-create, there are platforms out there that allow brands to create these tokens. What gaps in the market do you feel that co-create is filling either with your existing product right now or with the future roadmap? Launching a token, you don't need... Co-create for, for that, right? Anyone can easily go launch an ERC-20 contract. There are a bunch of interfaces where you can do it. Um, you could pull a contract off the shelf directly from Open Zeppelin if you have the ability to directly interact with contracts. Like there's a bunch of solutions. That's not the hard part. I think the hard part is really designing a system that is healthy and then at the outset and then managing a token economy post-launch. If your token is freely tradable, you're basically launching your own monetary policy. And so we talk about our solution set is for the entire spectrum from designing your token economy, launching the token. We do provide all of the smart contracts to actually launch your own token, to add your custom configurations around supply allocations, vesting, transfer restrictions, but then managing the token post-launch. And we've built out and are continuing to augment these custom token contracts that allow brands to create reward programs, how people can earn the token based on the things the brand wants to incentivize, whether that's account acquisition, whether that's retention, whether that's engagement, whether that's community contributions 
tokens are a business superpower, right? Because you can give them out to encourage specific actions that you know are valuable to your business or brand or community. But then in order for that token to actually be an effective incentive mechanism, it's got to be because it's something people want. <laughs> like just giving out someone, you know, random monopoly money <laughs> where you can't do anything with it, it's not going to influence anyone's behavior because it doesn't represent anything of value. And by value, I don't mean financial value necessarily. I feel like the financial engineering side of tokens has been over-indexed and we haven't looked at other sources of value that are much healthier and more sustainable, such as tokens for access, tokens for the ability to purchase certain goods, to enter into raffles or auctions, or get spots on an allow list, tokens as a way to provide voice. Governance is often touted as a really impactful token feature or benefit. I think we haven't seen governance done in a way that most individuals think is valuable. Most of them see it as a responsibility, not a utility. Um, but there are a lot of things that tokens can give someone access to, goods, services, benefits, et cetera. And that's where we really focus is providing this platform that is trusted and that is dedicated for brands to create token reward programs that help them achieve their business goals, as well as token utility programs that allow those individuals who have gotten the token to see value in having it. That's great. And you've answered a good amount of the future <laughs> questions that I do have for you. So hopefully the questions that are coming in the future, we can dissect them even more. Yeah. But one more quick question before we even go into tokens as a whole is when you think about your ideal customer profile, mm -hmm. is that ever evolving every month, every week? Like, how are you thinking about going after the web two companies of the world versus working with NFT projects? And are you constantly battling between which one you want to target? I am so impressed with the question because literally I was talking about this with our head of product today. And I was saying to him, like, we aren't solving something that is all that knowable because the market doesn't know yet where it's going to go. And so we are in this place of not only are we enabling brands to co-create with their consumers and community, we're co-creating with our customers. And there are these two key ideal client profiles, and they're quite different. You know, one is the Web3 native organization that's created this tight exclusive community and is now looking to scale. And they're very experienced when it comes to Web3. Like they probably have multiple NFT collections live. They engage with their community on Discord. They have an active Twitter presence. They're going to all of the Web3 and crypto conferences. They're thinking about staking programs. All of their users have wallets, right? And their needs are very different than a brand. Like I was on with one of the largest media companies um, in the world yesterday, and they're launching a watch to earn program. And most of their audience doesn't have wallets and they want to be really thoughtful in what are the actions we're incentivizing? How can we really create an on-chain version of a Web2 loyalty program, but that gives us more optionality over time to open up our loyalty program, to make it so that the points we're providing are truly owned by the user so that we can't take them away. They can do what they want with them. They could be used at other merchants, right? Other merchants could choose to accept them because this ERC-20 is an open data standard. So 
you're absolutely right. Like I often tell our team, we are at this place where we are validating what is the best and highest use for what we're building and who is the right target client profile. And we don't know yet. And so we are supporting both. Um, and we're creating these smaller tests to help us validate while the market is changing underneath. Because there's also like clearly going after existing large brands. That's a bigger market because those yeah. are bigger companies. But there's also, well, what about the future? And this idea of you know, there is a disruption occurring in how individuals expect to be able to interact with brands, expect to be rewarded for giving their voice to brands, for referring people to those brands. More and more individuals are influencers and have their own following. Um, and the focus on direct interactions between someone you trust versus this third-party brand that you don't know and doesn't represent a human, that's becoming more and more important. And so it's like, do we go after the future? Do we go after the past? Yeah. Do those merge? We're still figuring I guess the, it out. I guess the reality is like any sales team and function, you've got a pipeline and mm -hmm. you've got people who are upper funnel where it's way yep. more educational based and it's, hey, this is not going to close yeah. for six to 24 months if that. And then you've got maybe more of the web three focused teams, which are lower funnel, which is, hey, we've already kind of done the research. We don't need any more white papers. We just want to get going. Are you the right team for us? So yeah. with that, I want to dive even more into tokens. And I really want to use the next few minutes as really explaining as much as we can in like layman's terms, just given a lot of the people yeah. that listen to this are like web two marketers, just given my background. Mm -hmm. And of course, web three people, but let's be realistic. A lot of web three people are just reading Twitter threads and they're not really digesting all the information. So from your recent blog, your team wrote because of their uniqueness, NFTs excel at signifying ownership of exclusive items such as art, collectibles, tickets, memberships. They are ill-suited, however, to serve as a system that measures and rewards contributions, quote-unquote, a unit of account, or a payment mechanism, quote-unquote, a medium of exchanges. So let's start with the 101. Why launch a token? Yeah. And I know and that's, I, I know that's loaded. I know that's loaded, <laughs> but maybe we can just laundry list some of this out a little bit. Yeah. I don't think everyone should launch a token either. Like I think. That's a question I had for you. <laughs> yeah. I am definitely not a token maximalist in the sense that I think every community or every business needs a token. I think that tokens and NFTs for larger brands will become part of every brand's ecosystem over time because they do have different superpowers, right? Um, NFTs excel at being unique items that represent specific either collectibles or tickets, things that are not the same, right? Whereas the reason that currencies came about is because it's really hard to trade and to agree on the value of something that is unique compared to another thing that is unique. People will have different opinions. That uniqueness will be valued differently by different people. And so that is what unit of account is referencing. If using economic terms, non-fungible tokens, unique items are a really bad unit of account because everyone has a different conception of what it's worth. Whereas $1 is worth half as much as $2. Everyone agrees on that. 
It's really simple. Uh, 10 loyalty points with Delta Sky Miles is twice as much as five Delta loyalty points. And so this is where if you are a brand and you're saying, I want to create an incentive mechanism, I want people to be encouraged to do specific actions. NFTs are probably not the best mechanism to do so because what you're giving out is being valued differently by different people. And you actually don't know what it represents in value to those folks, as well as what it will allow them to do later on. And NFTs are something that you often get and don't redeem. Like the idea of redeeming it, there are redeemable NFTs. We're seeing more of that. But if you even look at existing Web2 loyalty programs, they already have what are the equivalent of NFTs and fungible tokens. Like if you take, again, airline programs like Delta, I have silver medallion status and I have 100,000 miles. The miles is the equivalent of the fungible token. It's a unit of account. I earn it and then I spend it and I go up and down and I go up and down. The medallion status is a recognition of how much I've contributed to Delta's ecosystem, which is more of the Web3 way saying how much I've provided value to Delta that they want to then reward me for and make sure that I stay within their ecosystem. So I don't think every brand is going to have and every community will have fungible tokens and NFTs. I think NFTs are the right place to start for small nascent brands because fungible tokens are a really powerful mechanism that makes sense for larger communities that have already developed and are looking to scale. And so you say that, and I believe this was in another blog that, you know, tokens can bring in tens of thousands more of more people than NFTs, mm -hmm. which we know is cr correct. But who do we envision these people that are joining, are they existing yeah. NFT enthusiasts or are they newcomers who are entering into the space? I, I think the use of NFT and token and fungible token is so indicative of how early we are. Like the fact that NFT non-fungible token is even a recognizable term is laughable to me. It's so technical. Most people don't even know what fungible means or wouldn't have known before crypto. And so over time, my expectation is this will be obfuscated to the individual. What they will know is I can be rewarded when I do certain things and those rewards give me X value, access or benefit. And that I think is something that is going to be really important for brands going forward, particularly in a world where it becomes much more difficult to target specific users. Data standards are changing. And also, if you want to target specific users, like across Google and Facebook, most of your margin is going to customer acquisition costs. I see a world where we may have these more open loyalty programs where brands that are targeting the same type of individual but are in different areas could come together and say, here's my audience, you know, using, again, big brands, Starbucks and Delta. Not competing businesses could have a very similar ideal target profile. They could do what is the equivalent of peer-to-peer -peer, but brand-to-brand. This is something I think so much about. And during Art Basel, one of the best conversations I had was about loyalty. And so let's yeah. say you and I owned a clothing company 
that did hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. And we've got this very precious CRM of who all of our customers are. And we decide to say, hey, let's build a loyalty program that's on-chain instead of off-chain. So what's happening there is we are, in a sense, exposing our entire Mm -hmm. CRM to the entire world. world. Why do we want to do that? Yeah. I will say that there used to not be data and privacy standards in Web 2 either, or Web 1 for that matter. And those things develop. They are a follower to technological development. So I expect that in the future, we will see um, zero knowledge proofs as the way that a lot of brands will create and store and share data so that you can validate the answer to a question, but you're not saying like, here's the purchase history of someone in perpetuity. Like this is also just indicative of we're early, that will change. But right now you're right. Like on-chain data for public blockchains, which, you know, Ethereum and all most EVM compatible chains are public blockchains, makes that data available to anyone. But I would also say like, do you respond to spam? (laughs) Because I don't. Like I still get emails from randos and I'm like, I'm not responding to this. And so I think that the connection and the trust is really important. So even if you put your CRM on the blockchain, doesn't mean that someone will be able to effectively target your customers. I think what is much more impactful is if you're that small fashion brand that's doing X amount of revenue, you find someone else in a non-competing business that has a similar customer profile. Like I was using the example of Allbirds and Cometeer earlier with my product director, right? I would bet there is a ton of overlap between the people who buy Allbirds and the people who buy Cometeer coffee. And so like allowing them to say, we're going to do a cross-promotional campaign but not in the, we send out an email to our Allbirds user base saying Cometeer is, is you know, cool and you should check them out, but rather saying, hey, you know what? You've earned all of these Allbirds tokens. This week only, you can use your Allbirds tokens at Cometeer to buy coffee and sign up because that's adding a ton of value to the Allbirds user. And they're like, wow, now I can use this. To, this created more value for me and it cost Allbirds nothing. And in fact, it actually reduced their cost because otherwise those reward points would be utilized within Allbirds to provide discounts and benefits that they would have to pay for. And so that's what I get excited about. But I hear you on this is fundamentally changing the way brands think about their business and what are their core assets, because brands have typically thought of their core assets as their brand itself, which means we do not provide, allow it to be used by anyone like this whole fan fiction phenomenon or reusing a brand trademark or logo in various ways and allowing the community to play and have input, like that is anathema to most brands. Yeah, it brings really decentralization to the forefront. And, you know, maybe again, there's a world where if you're Lululemon, for example, it's okay, great, we have these customers, but these customers are so loyal to us that they're going to continue to buy from us if we put a Lululemon token together where everyone else can see who actually purchases at Lululemon. Those holders can now get benefits from these other retailers and that yeah. brings more value to the Lululemon customer. And it yes, will there be conquesting happening? Absolutely. But at the same time, you can now have all of these other brands say, hey, 
we love that you're a Lululemon customer. You fit our audience demographic. We would love to give you some sort of benefit, et cetera. And that can be all powered through tokens and on the blockchain. Absolutely. Like Lululemon and Soho House should have done a deal yesterday if they haven't already, right? Like I'm literally going to a workout at Soho House later today. If Lululemon, I would buy more Lululemon if there was a way that I could use my Soho House credits at Lululemon. No doubt. Yeah. But I guess like, and again, I don't want to be a naysayer on this, but why does, and we may not know the answer. And to be honest, when we had our conversation at Art Basel with a lot of respected people in the space, we didn't have all the answers, but like, why not just an email list where Soho House just says to Lululemon, we'll email 100,000 people a unique code that gives them access to a discount. Like, why does that not work? One, we don't know that it works better yet. Right? Okay. Like and I'm glad you said that because we don't know. And we have to be we honest. With, we have to be honest with ourselves. Yeah. Oh, I'm the first person to say like everything we are doing right now is based on a hypothesis, a hunch, and a vision for the future that may or may not come to be. But I will say that my hypothesis is that discount codes are boring and not very compelling. Whereas if you said, hey, you have something in your wallet that you can literally spend like money <laughs> someplace else. That doesn't feel like a discount code. That feels like money. Discount code doesn't feel like money to me. Um, and so, and also I think I was talking with the head of a fashion house that is much smaller, that's very high end, but much smaller than say Chanel and Dior. And they were saying, we can't use the same tool sets uh, that Chanel and Dior use. And when they, when social media was just coming about, they were first on the social media train because they said, we have to use different tools because if we compete head to head with big brands, we will lose. We don't have as much to spend. We don't have as much reach. And so we have to, we have to grasp onto new and innovative ways to engage with folks, which means that this might be an approach that lasts for a while and then becomes the equivalent of discount codes, which aren't that compelling. And their conversion rate is probably very low. Okay, so before going into NFTs, let's take a quick breather for a second. What is <laughs> what what is keeping you motivated? Mm. There's so, a lot of shit news right now, especially with tokens, yeah. with FTT, like and we'll save that for another podcast, but you're waking up in the morning, how are you saying I'm going to fight through this day and I'm going to fight through the next 5 years because there's a lot of headwinds going up against me? So before I set out on this journey, this is the first time I'm a founder um, and the first time in the role as CEO. And I had a great gig before this, right? Like I was the CRO at a venture-backed startup. We had grown it from five-figure revenue to seven-figure revenue in 18 months. Like everything was going great. And I, I started thinking about like, I really want to I want to be a builder and I want to create something in a space that I think is evolving. And I wrote down my reasons for doing this and the certainty of winning and the certainty of a positive financial outcome was not my top three. Cause I was like, I am intentionally going into a world that is highly uncertain where likelihood of failure is greater than likelihood of success. And one of my top reasons was actually learning 
Like, and I know that's super corny, but for me, I was not the kid who had the lemonade stand that was at five years old because they just loved money. They were like, I must be in business and enterprising. I was the kid who was reading books and traveling and learning languages because I just wanted to figure out how things worked. And this is the place, this is the new frontier where we are, we are speed running so many different aspects of human life. We're speed running what it means to be part of a community. We're speed running what it means to have effective governance, whether that governance can have some level of decentralization. If so, how? We're speed running what it means to be a brand in the future. And like all of these things are the things that I want to at least try to influence and have a point of view on. Um, and so that's why that hasn't changed. All of the FUD, all of the market turmoil has not changed that at all. And it was really important to me at the outset that I had stable reasons for doing this because I knew it was going to be the hardest thing that I've ever done. Yeah, that's it's very motivating to hear that because again, when you do look at your resume on paper, you had a really great trajectory. And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, fuck it. I'm going to dive into this Web3 world and see what the hell happens. Um, and so I, yeah. I love that though. So I want to just quickly talk about NFTs and collections as a whole. I think mm. we can probably do like seven to 10 more minutes if that's cool with you. Yeah, let's do it. Great. So what's your personal take on where we are with innovation within NFT projects right now? Mm. Oh, man. I think we are, my, my personal view is that we're at this inflection point where for a long time, having an NFT project with cool art and some group of folks who were excited about it was sufficient. And now everyone is questioning, okay, what does this community mean over time? What does this collection mean over time? Is there a business behind this? If so, are we operating this as a business or is this a project? And if so, are we operating it as a project? Um, and I'm seeing NFT organizations really diverge on those two paths. And those that are saying, hey, this is a business, we're trying to build a business, a lot of them are kind of going heads down and more quiet because they're building things that take a long time to build. And they're trying to do big things and also keep their community happy in the interim. Um, and that is hard because the loudest members of the community are often not ones who actually are focused on the long-term viability of that organization. They're focused on flipping. Um, and so I think that we're at this inflection point and we will see a lot of NFT projects that kind of fall by the wayside and maybe stop and just become representatives of something that used to be, but are no longer alive and active. And then we're going to see some of them really scale into mass market brands across fashion, media, entertainment, sports, and IP. Yeah, I think it's interesting because when we think about NFTs and PFP projects, it's art. Art mm -hmm. world is very different from a business world. And so if you have an artist who's leading a PFP project, thinking about ongoing revenue and building a business is not necessarily something that they're trained in. And yeah. so you have a lot of projects that continue to have artists and people who don't have business background leading these projects, which will potentially stay as projects. 
And then you've got other companies that started off as projects and they realized, hey, we need to have some more professional people in the room with business expertise, yeah. like cool cats, like doodles, who can say, hey, we're actually not a project. We are a brand that started yeah. off as an NFT project, but we have this exactly. amazing IP that we can take to all these different experiences. And so I personally think that there's going to be a small handful that are going to excel. And like what mm. Gary V says, 99% of them are unfortunately just going to fail because at the end of the day, once you have your primary sales and royalties is a whole nother question, you're running a business of how do we sustain an revenue? Yeah. How do we grow revenue? And that takes a ton of resources. So yeah. It's going to be a very interesting next few months. And that's why I'm personally very focused on the utility side of NFTs right now and a little less focused on PFPs just because I think there is more sustainability in the utility aspect, even though I personally love the art world. You know, I built a creative agency, but when it comes to scalability with NFTs, personally think that there's a lot more to it than just digital collectibles and art. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think the examples you mentioned, like Doodles, like bringing in Julian from Billboard, that just showed their intent of yeah. this is not a fun thing that we're doing on the side. Like we are trying to create a massive brand that has staying power and that is going to be represented in many different fields from merchandising, from movies, from music, from other forms of entertainment events. Um, and I was at the Doodles party and uh, at Art Basel. And it's just like, they have such a brand presence. Like, you know, when you're at a Doodles event, because it is all so integrated into who they are and what they do. Um, and it just makes you something that you'd want to be part of. Like I can see for kids wanting to go to a Doodles movie, wanting to go to a Doodles theme park, wanting to wear Doodles swag, get Doodles uh, merchandise and plush toys. Same with bee friends. So there are, there are some really good examples. I think they just need more time to prove themselves out because what they're doing is hard. Very hard. And I think their advantage is they came in during a bull market and were able mm -hmm. to receive a ton yeah. of primary and secondary sales, which then led to being able to receive a ton of venture money just based off yeah. of what their revenues were. And I think unfortunately, projects that are coming in now who do want to be brands, the odds of them escaping the PFP world are going to be slim to none because at the end of the day, you do need capital to sustain a company. And right now, a lot of that capital and liquidity is just not there the way it was 12 months ago. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. And I will say one of the silver linings of the current market retraction is that it's brought in vogue revenue and like business fundamentals. Um, you know, my background is very much business strategy, consulting, like all for-profit enterprises. And at initially I felt like presenting that side of myself within web three would not be respected. And it's like, oh no, we're doing things different. And it's like, well, you can do things different, but if you want to stick around, you still got to figure out how to make money. Yeah. <laughs> like those things are, that's just a, a absolute requirement. And the market retraction has kind has changed the focus to okay this is an important component and if we actually want to unlock and realize the full potential of web3 sustainable revenue has to be part of our story yeah well 
Tara, this has been amazing. And if it's cool, I'd love to chat with you for just a few minutes after we sign off here. But want to thank you so much for joining. This was incredibly insightful. And I'm just excited to be a part of your journey and watch co-create and you just continue in this Web3 world and beyond. So thank you again for joining. Thank you so much for having me, Dylan. It's been a real pleasure. That's it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed. Hit that subscribe button and we'll see you next time.